Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Murder Taco. I'm your host, Edgar, and I wanted to start off by saying that I realized that in the last two episodes, I did forget to mention my sources. I don't remember the sources that I used in the episode two weeks ago. Uh, Most likely it was Wikipedia, which is a big source that I always go to because it's just so knowledgeable and so much shit's on there. But um, I do remember the sources for my last episode. So it was YouTube, which is always a good one. And on YouTube, it was Oxygen channel, uh, their story on it, their video and BuzzFeed, which always has really good videos also along with articles in Murderpedia and Wikipedia, which I already mentioned. So that was what I used. Um, Another source that I had on there was the Criminal Minds Wiki. But I did forget to mention him. It's not that I did it on purpose. I just totally forgot. Um, So in the moment, you know, as, as one is. And another one that I I did forget to put in the story, but I thought it was funny because it was just a little snippet, was while I was trying to find articles on the internets, I found one called um, celebages.com. And it pretty much was just reading his horoscope after all the crimes. So on the bottom, it was, I guess, horoscope. Because it was the Zodiac Killer and it said, Herberto Seda has a ruling planet of a sun and by astrological association, Saturday is ruled by the sun. The sun is about virtually and is the core giver of life and is also known as being the most generous and noble of the signs. They are courageous, self-expression, expressive and bold. So none of the things that you would describe the serial killer Uberto Seda as, the New York Zodiac, but I just thought it was funny and I wanted to mention it in the last story, but I forgot to mention it, so I'm mentioning it now, you know. Um, I want to say hi and thank you for listening to another episode. I've been doing good. I hope you guys have been too. The cold front that moved towards Texas is insane. I know I've been seeing a lot of uh, pictures, videos of the state of pipes bursting and water being frozen. I saw that uh, Instagram story of the possum that's dead and it's hanging on to the fence. Um, It is kind of humorous, but it is very serious. A lot of people uh, have no electricity still. Uh, I know there have been some deaths. It's crazy, crazy, crazy to think that something like that can happen. I know a lot of states get cold, but I guess they just weren't ready for temperatures like that. And you compound that with no electricity. It's very scary. So I hope everybody's doing fine. I hope everybody's doing okay. Um, it's just like every other natural disaster. Like when we have earthquakes here, Uh, The food and generators go first. And unlike natural disasters here in California, where 
there's snowstorm. They can't really drive. So I know another thing that goes for us is gas and batteries and shit like that. And you can't really have anything uh, shipped to you at the moment. Little things like that. So I'm sure all those, like you can't have something Amazon to you or, or Postmates. So I'm sure uh, that's kind of scary in in by itself. So I hope everybody's doing good. Um, well, in today's episode, I was thinking about what to do. And I want to do this. I'm going to try and cram it all in one because I, I can talk fast. I usually just spread it out. So I have a good episode. But I don't really want to do these all in separate. So I'm going to try and put them all together because you can technically. And it is just the history and very crazy stories that all happened at the Cecil Hotel. And the reason that I'm bringing up the Cecil is because of the Netflix show, um, the new uh, documentary on the Cecil. And I, I've always been very fascinated with it. Uh, I do remember hearing about it years ago. And one of the main reasons that I heard about it was the Lisa Lamb story. And back in the day on YouTube, I'm really, I guess it sounds dumb if you say you're really into YouTube now that I say it out loud, but I've always been very, very into YouTube and watching videos. And some of the first things that I used to watch other than funny cat videos was ghost videos, ghost videos, and which when you fall into a rabbit hole, it soon becomes disappearing videos, which turns into murder videos, which turns into serial killer videos, and so on and so on. And the Lisa Lamb was just a strange, strange, mysterious video or uh, case, which at first she was uh, said to have disappeared, and they did eventually find her. I'll go more into that later, so I don't want to give too much away. But just the whole history on the Cecil Hotel is fucking crazy. So that is my story today, and I will give the sources. I won't forget, I swear. I'm just that dumb. But here we go. So I did mention the Netflix documentary. And it's called True Crime, sorry, Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And I have not seen it yet. I've seen other things on it. So I just feel like it's going to be everything I've ever seen already. I'm still trying to finish up another documentary that I'm working on, which is uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is the, oh, yeah. well, whole name is, Golden State Killer and Iran's, which is the East Area Rapist and the original Night Stalker all together. Those were his three names that he worked out of because of the fact that he was all over the West Coast. So when he was in the Sacramento, he was East Area Rapist. Then he went down to Riverside, well, Modesto, Riverside, um, Santa Barbara, and that's when he became original Night Stalker. And 
for the most part, uh, I was telling somebody this the other day. So whatever name stuck in the news reports or the newspapers back in the day, if it was catchy enough, that's what would go on and become the name of the person. So because you had R Richard Ramirez, uh, Iran's when he went down, East Area Rapist when he was in Sacramento, and when he went down to Santa Barbara, um, Cana Costa, and Riverside area, he was original Night Stalker because of Richard Ramirez. And it wasn't until Michelle McLamara started looking him up or started doing research on him and released uh, several papers, articles um, in magazines that the name Golden State Killer stuck because he struck all over the West Coast. So I think that's the best name. But uh, if you ever see anything that says Eurons or um, just original Night Stalker, that is him. So when I do finish, I'll be gone in the dark. I'm sure I'll start the uh, crime scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which is on Netflix. Um, another good uh, video that I watched that I wanted to shout out is a channel called Graphics. And it's a guy named uh, Simon Whistler. And he has a few other. Uh, the one that I usually watch is called Top Tens. And it's more mystery and ghost um centric i guess and it goes back to what i was saying earlier that i started and my main fascination was ghost um pair uh demons well poltergeist that's that's the, the word i was looking for poltergeist demons and ghost centered but he does have another show called graphics or channel called graphics and it's called the Cecil Hotel, the deadliest hotel in Los Angeles. And the reason that I bring that one up is he does go into all the deaths, all the mystery and everything that goes into it. But his channels or his channel runs a lot of numbers and lets you know, even though the title says deadliest um, hotel in Los Angeles, he does run some numbers and lets you know it. For the deaths that have been publicized, there have been big deaths, but for the most part, it is average amount of deaths per capita, per uh, rooms and stays at the hotel in history. But it's it's very interesting and very in-depth, uh, unlike this podcast, but uh, go watch that. And the other one that I cannot wait for, that I don't know how to view, because it is on... Discovery Plus, so I don't know if that's another subscription that I need to get because I already have, I don't know, 63 of them now with all the Netflix, Hulus, and I have Hulu Live, so that's like another 65 bucks. Um, Disney and whatever else other ones, so I'm sure you have to pay for Disney Plus, or I'm um, sorry, Discovery Plus, but it's called Ghost Adventures Cecil Hotel. And I love Ghost Adventures, whether it's real or not. I've even watched debunking shows or channels on Ghost Adventures. People trying to explain how things can be explained away or how it is fake. 
I'll just watch anything ghost pretty much. But if you have a baking show, just go ahead and put ghost in the title and I'll fucking watch that shit. Trust me. All right. Well, this is going to be on the history and it's going to focus on three major events of the Cecil Hotel. And one of them I did mention already because I spoiled it was the disappearance of Elisa Lamb. I think earlier it, I either said or sounded to me when I went back and thought about it that I said Lisa Lamb. It's Elisa Lamb. Okay, so let me set the scene. It is 1924. You got one and a half million dollars. What do you do in 1924? You build one of the most luxurious hotels at the time. You want 15 floors, 700 rooms. Boom. Got it. So that's what happened. Nine, uh, 1924 was when the Cecil Hotel was finished. And at the time, it was one of the most luxurious hotels in all of Los Angeles. It's in downtown, but kind of on the east of downtown Los Angeles, which I don't know if that makes sense, but kind of on the side. So not downtown, which if you ask me where downtown is, it would be Staples Center area, Nokia Live, but just around that area on the left, which is now more commonly known as Skid Row, sadly, because of the concentration of um, homeless people in downtown Los Angeles. Well, like I was saying, uh, it was finished in 1924 by the Way Waymouth Corwell Company, and it was built for William Banks Hanner. Uh, he spent about 1.5 million, so about 14 million in today's time. So lots of money in 1920s. Again, uh, 15 stories, 700 rooms. It was one of the largest hotels. Uh, marble floor on the inside, uh, concrete and brick on the outside, but it was very luxurious at the time. And at first, it is one of the most luxurious hotels, like I mentioned, but only a few years later, I think for the first four years, they had really good run. It was set for the upper class. But in 1929, we all know the Great Depression hit. I think it's Black Friday, Black Tuesday. No, maybe I'm thinking Fat Tuesday. Uh, Black Friday hit, the stock market crash. Everybody couldn't afford anything, just like this pandemic, kind of the same thing. Oh, well. Um, that hit, and that's about the time where things went downhill for the hotel and they would never recover from that. I did read that until about the 40s, they were doing okay, but not nothing like they were hoping or they, they were thinking that was going to happen. And around that time is when all the mysterious deaths occurred, a total of 16 mysterious and or suspicious deaths in the hotel. And I know I mentioned the YouTube video from uh, Geographic, that uh, that channel, and he runs down, uh, like I mentioned, some of the numbers where they said it was high number of deaths for the hotel, and he does a bunch of numbers, and he says that if it was even an average amount of num uh, deaths, 
that since the opening of the hotel with the average in the United States, that it would be something like 93 deaths total. So I think there's 16 suspicious deaths and a total of 21 deaths total. So it is on the lower end. But when you think about the suspicious deaths, it kind of sticks out and uh, with the disappearances. So it doesn't really help its case. And there is a, a suicide trigger. There are some in here, so I'm just going to run them down. The first death is a suicide, and it is uh, Percy Ormick Cook, 52. On the evening, Cook shot himself in the head while in his hotel room after failing to reconcile with his wife and child. Although the Times reported that he was rushed to the hospital, he did later die from the self-inflicted gunshot. November 19, 1931, W.K. Norton, 46. The death was a poisoning. I don't know why it doesn't uh, type it or uh, put it under uh, suicide, but he was a Manhattan Beach resident, which is uh, about 10 miles away from downtown L.A., um, Norton was found dead in his room after ingesting the poison capsules. Uh, he ate them a week earlier, which I don't know how long it would take, but he did register in the hotel under a fictitious name, James Willis, and said he was from Chicago. So September 19th, 1993, I'm sorry, 1932, Benjamin Deutsch, 25, suicide, gunshot to the head. July 34, uh, 1934, Sergeant D. Borden, 53, another suicide, slit throat, which, oh my God, I can't imagine. Uh, so in July, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Borden was found dead in his room at the Cecil Hotel. March 1993, Grace E. Margo. So this is one of the, the more mysterious deaths. Uh Margot fell from the ninth story window. Her fall broke, broken by telephone wires where she was wrapped around her body. She later died at the now uh, demolished George Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was the result of an accident or suicide. Uh, January 1938, Roy Thompson, 35, death. He fell from the building. May 1939. Erwin C. Niblett, 93. It was a death. He ingested poisoning. So another poisoning. Uh, January 1940, Dorothy Seeger, 45, death. Also ingested poisoning. So now you have three poisonings. I guess it was pretty popular. Maybe it was just being able to get it at the drugstore and mixing things together. So I don't know. I'm speculating. Maybe like same thing as an overdose nowadays, but a, a overdose on purpose. So this is one of the ones that stands out also. Nine, uh, September 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell. So she had a unborn son. She was staying in the room with a her boyfriend. He was a shoe salesman, Ben Levine, 38. So... Parcel didn't really know that she was pregnant. She was having stomach pains. She woke up, not wanting to wake up, 
her boyfriend. She went to the bathroom. She found out that she was pregnant in the bathroom, like that moment. She ended up giving birth to the baby boy, thinking the baby was a stillborn. She threw the baby out the window. He landed on the roof of the adjacent building. Later on, Parcel was charged with murder when they found out the during the autopsy that the baby was alive because they found oxygen in the lungs. So she was trying to plead not guilty by reason of insanity, but it did not work. Next up, November 1947, we have Robert Smith, 35, jumped out of the window uh, from the seventh floor. On October 22nd, 1954, Helen Gurney, 55, she also jumped out of the, the, the building. So she was a stationary firm worker. Gurney jumped out of the window from the seventh floor. She landed on the marquee. Uh, she had registered a week before under a fake name, Margaret Brown, February 11th, 1962. Julia Moore, 50, death, also jumped out of the window. October 12th, 1962. Uh, this this is a strange one. So Pauline Otto, 27, she had been getting in a fight uh, with her estranged husband, Dewey. He had left the room prior to Otto's suicide. He had gone to the bar downstairs to have a drink or dinner and drinks. So Otto landed on a pedestrian, uh, Gianni, killing them both instantly. His name was George Gianni, 65. She landed in, on him, and because there was no witnesses, police initially thought that they had both jumped out, but it was soon determined that Gianni, who had his hands in his pockets and his shoes on, that he was walking by when she had jumped. June 4th, 1964, uh, Pigeon Goldie Osgood, she was stabbed, beaten, and raped. A hotel worker discovered Osgood, a retired telephone operator. She died in her room. She had been uh, raped, stabbed, and beaten. So she was well-known around the area, around uh, Persian Square, because she would feed all the pigeons there, hence the name. December 20th, 1975, uh, Elisa Lowell, around 23, she fell from the building. A still unidentified woman jumped from the 20th floor, uh, 12th floor, sorry, window onto Cecil's second floor roof. She had registered under the ho in the hotel under the name Elisa Lowe, and she still remains unidentified. September 1st, 1992, uh, approximately 20, from 20 to 30 years old, another unidentified person. Jumped from the window. The body of an African-American man was found in the alley behind the Cecil. Police said that he had either fallen, jumped, or been pushed off the floor, off the 15th floor. So the 20 to 30-year-old man, still unidentified, like I mentioned. And this is where we get to one of the biggest stories and, for the most part, one of the reasons that... The Cecil Hotel is very widely known. Oh, before I say this one, I do want to mention that one of the most infamous cases in L.A. history, which is the Black Dahlia or Elizabeth Short, 
she was she's an infamous case uh if you know true crime you know the back dahlia she was found in a empty lot her mouth was cut from ear to ear she was uh, i don't want to get it wrong so i believe she was just cut open and i don't know if she was dismembered i know her blood was drained and she was cut like if you can imagine the movie joker she was cut about two inches on each side of the cheek uh very infamous case in la she was said to be in the hotel bar and workers said to have seen her when she left she when asked she was waiting for her parents to pick her up or a boyfriend but the worker that uh, claims that she saw elizabeth short later on said she couldn't really tell if it was her or not but that's just a little side note because it's one of the most infamous infamous cases in LA along with one of the most mysterious and infamous hotels in LA. Well, February 1st, 2013. So let's talk about Elisa Lam. So Elisa Lam was born April 30th, 1991 in Vancouver, British Columbia. She was a student at the University of British Columbia. So she wanted to get away. She, uh, she was having some problems. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. She went through some incidences where she wanted to get away. She actually dropped out of some college, some uh, courses because she was having so much, so many problems. She was the daughter of immigrants from Hong Kong. Uh, she wasn't enrolled or registered at the university in 2013 when she decided that she wanted to get away and take a trip to the West Coast, to California. Uh, she traveled on Amtrak. So her first stop was San Diego. She went to the San Diego Zoo. She was taking photos because she did have a uh, blog spot account. And for two years, she was just recording pretty much uh, blogging everything that she did, like a journal. Um, her stops were going to be San Diego, L.A., and then up to Santa Barbara. So after San Diego, she took an Amtrak up to Los Angeles, and she arrived there on January, January 26th, and she decided to stay at the Cecil Hotel in downtown. She did promise her parents that she was going to call every day, and she did. And that's pretty much the last time that she spoke to her parents was on January 26th. So on January 31st, when the parents still haven't heard from her, the day that uh, Elisa Lam was supposed to check out of the Cecil Hotel, they filed a police report. They can't find her. Police soon released video footage taken from the cameras at the Cecil Hotel on their website, and things took a bizarre turn. So the video shows Elise Lam in one of the elevators on the date of her disappearance, acting strangely. In the footage, uh, Lam can be seen stepping in and out of the elevator, pushing all the floor buttons, stepping in and out of the elevator, poking her head out. 
She also goes sideways towards the hotel's hallway. She peers out of the elevator a few times and steps in and out again. So in the last minutes of the video, it shows her standing to the left side of the door, moving her hands in random gestures. And when that video is released, people go wild. Of course, you know how the internet is. People cannot understand why, how, and what she's doing. Now, it's it's important to mention that she was on antidepressants and she also was on bipolar medicine. So don't know how that affects people as far as what this is my my uh, not speculation, but my thoughts. Uh, it seems like she's hallucinating for me. Right. So I don't know if she's hallucinating what she's saying, but that's what it looks like to me. And I don't know if those medicines uh, would make you do that or the lack of. And there is some reports of people talking about that she didn't take it properly. And of course, web sleuths talk about how taking too much would make you do that. And also the lack of those medicines, those medications would also make you do that. There was also a report that she originally checked in in a hostel style living. So if you've ever been to a hostel or overseas, so hostel style is oh, a hostel hotel. This, this hotel had different types of arrangements. One of them was a quote unquote hostel where you live with several people in one room. So originally when she checked in, she was set up in a hostel living situation. I know hostel sounds like, oh, like uh, just where you're uh, hostile, like uh, what, what's the, the meaning? Um, like dangerous, maybe? No, but hostel in other countries means just where you're set up where with other roommates in a in and out style living situation so you can have one roommate one day and the next day you have another roommate well she was set up with a hostile style uh, living situation but her roommates kept complaining to the front desk that she was acting very bizarre i couldn't find anything to say what they experienced or what was going on but if it was anything like what the video shows then maybe the web internet sleuths are right and it was the lack of medication or the excess of medication. Now, I will talk about how there was no alcohol or foreign drugs or, or barbiturates um, in her body. So we have to account for that. There was medication found in her, in her body, uh, prescription medication, but no uh, cocaine, weed, or hallucinogens. So she, after this video goes missing, they don't know where she's at. And it wasn't until two weeks later that 
residents at the hotel are complaining about water pressure and taste and smell of the water. One person also reported that the water was coming out black and they wanted the hotel to look into it. So on February 19th, two weeks after the video was published, a maintenance worker named Santiago Lopez went up to the 15th floor. He also noted that he had to go through a security door. So unlocking the security passcode to gain roof access, then had to go on top of a platform, get a ladder and look into the well, like a water tower. There's been different uh, articles saying that the top of the well, the top of the water tower was either uncovered or covered. So it doesn't specify. And also the same thing with the weight of the cover. So it, if it was uncovered, he didn't have to move it. So it was, quote unquote, not heavy at all because he didn't have to touch it. But other ones do specify that it was heavy. He ended up looking in and about 12 inches into the water tower, he sees the naked body of Elisa Lam facing up with her clothes on the side of her. So according to a statement by the fire chief, the Los Angeles Fire Department, the tank in which Lisa Lamb's, bo Lisa Lamb's body was found had to be drained completely and then cut open to remove her body. So nobody knows how her body was into that uh, water tower. But at least one person did see Elisa Lamb before she died. It was a near shop uh a nearby shop owner at the last bookstore. It's a famous bookstore here in LA. So Katie Orphan, Orphan was along, uh, among the last to see Lisa Lamb alive. She remembered that the college student buying books and music for her family back in Vancouver. Well, when the autopsy results come back, it only ignited more speculation the toxicology report confirmed she had consumed a number of medical drugs, but again, no illegal substances or alcohol in her body. The family did file a wrongful lawsuit, wrongful death lawsuit against the hotel, but in court, they did say that the hotel was not uh, liable for the death because she had to go out of her way to, uh, quote-unquote, die in the hotel. So it wasn't anything that the hotel could stop. But people do ask questions. They they speculate how, and they think that it was a worker that did it, how she went up to the roof access if you needed a code to get up there, and it was locked, and then how she got into the water tower and naked. So, again, it just set off so many bells for or red flags for the internet and trying to figure out the unsolved murder of Elisa Lam. Did she do it? Was she under some kind of hypnosis spell? If you look at it, it is very eerie, but it just 
I, I don't know. Like it, I know it is uh, cut up, and there are parts that I I want to be able to see. And why wasn't there any other footage released from any other floor or where she was? I don't think it specifies what floor, but were there no cameras in the hallways? But that is the disappearance and death of Elisa Lam. So two famous incidences that happened in the Cecil Hotel was one, Richard Ramirez stayed in the hotel in the 1980s. So he was a resident of the Cecil Hotel. So Richard Ramirez, I'm sure everybody knows, is the Night Stalker. So he had a regular presence on Skid Row. And a hotel clerk claims that he had spoken to Richard Ramirez. And he stayed at the Cecil Hotel for a few weeks. Ramirez may have engaged in part of killing spree while staying there. And another big thing was uh, Richard Ramirez would come, quote unquote, home covered in blood. But he would dump his bloody clothes outside in the dumpster and he would walk inside the hotel in just underwear. And apparently in the 1980s, that was just another thing and nobody would really say anything, which I don't know. I guess you could chalk it up to being the 1980s, whatever. Well, the other thing that happened was... Because of Richard Ramirez, another serial killer would end up staying there, a serial killer who idolized him, and that was Jack Unterberger. Unterberger stayed there in 1991, and he wanted to copy Richard Ramirez. Uh, Jack Unterberger was an Australian serial killer. Uh, Just a quick rundown. Uh, Unterberger was charged with the murder of sex workers in Austria. He was in jail. He was a very good writer. So when he was writing in jail after he was committed with the murder, convicted of the murder of a sex worker, People started lobbying for his release because he was, quote-unquote, a good um, inmate. He was released. He started writing for a newspaper and a magazine. He went to Los Angeles to look into all the serial killer murders, and he started killing in Los Angeles and would report on them. He was later caught and convicted of the murders, and eventually was sent back and spent the rest of his life in jail. So that is the rundown of the Cecil Hotel. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to say, go ahead and email me at murdertaco at gmail.com. And don't forget the Instagram murder.taco at 
Instagram.com or Instagram, I guess. And I appreciate you guys and thank you so much. Again, thank you guys for listening. Um, so what's going on with me? I started learning how to sign on American Sign Language, ASL. I've always wanted to learn. So I said, what better time to do it than now? And literally what I'm just doing is just YouTubing videos, just looking up ASL for beginners. And I love it. It's so intriguing. It's so fun. Um, I don't think I'll be able to practice it in real life, which is one thing that you're always going to do. So I've always thought, um, well, for me, that I was going to, it sounds so dumb, but I was going to learn a language, but it would have to be a language that I was going to use. And I would always think, what language would I use? And it would be some either Chinese, Japanese, or Brazilian. So Chinese, Japanese, because of quote-unquote work, because I work in the aerospace industry, or Brazilian, I'm sorry, not Brazilian, it's Portuguese, because I always wanted to go to Brazil. So it would either be for business or for pleasure. And I always thought you have to use something that you're going to use in life. So ASL, I don't really see myself using ASL, but I said, well, it's not really a language that I have to learn very in depth. Well, I'm sorry. I, that sounds rude, but Yes, ASL, I feel like I'm not going to use it often, but I'll be able to, because I'm dumb, cram it in my head because it is sign language. It is with your hands. So because I'm dumb, I'll be able to cram it in and it won't be as in-depth as another language. But um, just a weekend, I'm starting sentence forming. That's where I'm at right now, but I, I love it. I just, I can't get enough of it. And I don't know. Other than that, I'm not really doing anything, just working. 